They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast with another edition of Throwback Madness. I am your host, Ron Pashery. I am here with my good friends, Ek2Fly, Eric Trembicki, and the voice that runs the place, the European champion, hailing from Bangor, Maine, still Maine, not showing up, uh, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. This month... The month of May, Throwback Madness. This selection is brought to you by Mr. Trembicki. A little bit of an unconventional choice. The first show we've reviewed from this promotion. Eric, would you like to tell everyone what show you chose? Yes, sir. We are going with 1999 ECW Hardcore Heaven. Now, did you have any specific reason for choosing this show? Did you just want to get an ECW show in there? Well, I did kind of want to go away from uh, WWE for a little while. Uh, I mentioned this when I originally um, picked this selection. When we were doing the um, you know, build-up to WrestleMania, we were doing several different manias. Uh, basically, when we were asking for a viewer to pick for the next month, um, the theme was... Pick any show for yeah. that month you can find on the network. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I basically went and looked through all the promotions um, and all the events that have taken place for the month of May, whether it be from NXT, WWE, WCW, ECW, and anything else uh, from even the 80s that was on um, on the network. ECW, I was a little biased to. Obviously, again, mm-hmm. something from our backyard. Um <laughs> A pretty decent card, and it was something that, you know, a lot of it caught my interest. Uh, I think there's only two matches on there that I think I've ever actually watched, so it was good to go. So it's not like you had an experience with this whole show? No, no. So it looked like this was a a good one for all of us to either re-explore, explore, explore, and our faithful listeners to uh, get to view with us. Yeah. Alo, would you like to refresh the memory of our listeners of our rating system? Yeah, if it's a horrible show, it's a job. If it falls somewhere in the middle, it's a slobber knocker. If it's a fantastic show, it's a showstopper. All right. So, Alo, what is your ranking for Hardcore Heaven 1999? You guys know I'm not an ECW guy, uh-huh. so this was kind of hard for me to connect to. And it wasn't bad. A lot of, a lot of this I'm, I'm seeing for the first time because I grew up in New York and I was a little Alo, little baby Alo. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't really experience much ECW as you guys since it's in your guys' backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dullies were the heart of the show. They mm-hmm. were they were fantastic throughout the entire show. The one man commentary took a lot away from a lot of the matches <laughs> for me because I think that if it was a two man commentary, it would explain the story better and the matches would actually had turned out better for me because a lot of t- also I didn't really know. A lot of the story going on, so a lot. Of, I'm going to take a, a back seat for the first time to you guys. We want these throwback shows. You guys are going to tell me things that I don't. Yeah. So, um, but it was a fun show for the most part. I said the Dudley's was hysterical the entire show. Sign guy, sign guy Dudley is, is perfect. He, <laughs> he is so good. We watch. We have it on right now in front of. He's so good. But I'm, I'll just give it a slobber knocker only because I don't have much experience with it. I don't want to bash it for what it is, bash it for if it's less than what it is. So I was able to play Slavonarker. I did enjoy most of it, but I do think that I'm more to WWE product and bias because of the the commentating team, and I I'm not familiar with what was going on this time in ECW. So I'll give it a plain Slavonarker. Right. I will also give it a Slavonarker. I feel on the plus side of this of the Slavonarker. Um, I enjoyed watching this show. Uh, you guys both know I have. I, I've told you before, everything from 98 to 02 is an absolute blur to me. Because I was between the ages of 19 and 23, I was drinking a lot when I was watching all this stuff. But I enjoyed it. Uh, some of this stuff I did remember. Some of it was a pleasant surprise. I'd give it a slobber knocker, but that is a, a complimentary slobber knocker. And Eck, what's your grade for this show? So, um, I'm going to go on the highest end of a slobber knocker <laughs> as I can. Uh, again, I got... Not much bad to say about it. I mean, with one thing Aaron was just going in with the the one man commentary. I actually sometimes when I revisit ECW and they have two man commentary, yeah, I actually seem to dislike that. I look forward to the stuff Joe um, Joey Styles done by himself. I actually thought he is one of few human beings that can call a wrestling show 
by himself. Um, that's one thing ECW prided themselves on, and that's one thing Joey prides himself on. Um, the show, in general, I thought it was really good. I don't want to say there was something more I was looking for, but I think just with, um, you know, over the past couple of years when I've revisited some ECW stuff, there was a little bit missing that... I don't want to say there was something missing. I just kind of... I guess there was kind of not not a big enough climax that I could give it a show stopper. Uh, I have seen ECW shows I like more, but this is definitely... It was a good show. This was definitely kind of like the back end of ECW, where... Go ahead, Ava. No, go ahead, finish. After you go. Oh, I was going to just say, this was the back end, like, some guys had come and gone already. This was not the uh, the top-tier ECW roster that a lot of people, when they look back at this time, remember. That being said, one one of the things that, that, I, that I kind of picked up on watching this show, I haven't watched an ECW show in a long time. One of the things with WWE right now is... Fans have a tough time. A lot of the hardcore fans feel like this company is not trying to make us happy. They're trying to appeal to everyone else but us. Yeah. This crowd in Poughkeepsie, New York, <laughs> was hungry for ECW, and ECW fed this crowd the whole night. Yeah. They gave them what they wanted to see. You know, so an- another thing, and as we all know from attending House of Hardcore, and, you know, when we go to House of Hardcore shows... In the ECW arena, yes, you know there's always plenty of ECW chants, and they go for that ECW esque mm-hmm. feel. Um, the thing that's different, and I don't want to say this being that it was a pay per view is a lot different, but in retrospect, I know when I watch any of the House of Hardcore shows that I've attended live, and I've watched them back, it's never as good as when I was there. Yeah. So as much as I'm giving this a high slobber knocker, I'm sure if in 1999 I was there. This would have been a showstopper, right? I mean, the you know the the matches, you know, didn't lack. Um, it's kind of one of the things with where Aaron's saying the storyline. You know, there were some things I may have just not remember. You know, in retrospect, I must already want to just switch it to a showstopper. But <laughs> there there was some good things, but I still, still I still I, I still give it I still give it a, a higher slobber knocker. Um, it, it was good. I mean, you know, as we're watching it back, you know, there's so there's funny botch early in, in the match. Yes, there um, was. Actually, just to remind me, and again, Mm because I originally watched it about two weeks ago, um, to argue Aaron's point, was the whole show a two-man commentary? Or no, one man. One man, yeah. Most of it was one man. There were times that, um, what's his name, Cyrus the Virus was on commentary with him. He was terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's So when Aaron brought up the one-man commentary, that popped in my head. And I remember, like, I could could not, because Cyrus played the... uh, he played the heel role, and Joey would have to go as kind of just the uh, the face com- uh, commentator. Right. Which, that, again, where I'm saying when I'm re-watching some of ECW, is kind of, as you were saying, when you watch ECW and you have that, um, this was their, kind of the tail end of their mm-hmm. better point of their roster. I mean, when the Dudleys and Taz, who are a big part of this show, when they're gone, that's really when it was fading. I yeah. mean, the majority of the thing was on RVD. Yeah. Uh, it was RVD and Dreamer, basically. <laughs> um, there's people that I give people, you know, wrestlers that were in ECW that get credit that nobody wants to give them credit um, that were still still present at that time. But, yeah, I mean, again, this is one of the things where I, I remember ECW struggling because they had that two-man commentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Eric said, this felt like a lot like House of Hardcore because you know how House of Hardcore starts. It's like the undercard is legit, re- literally a super undercard. Yeah, and it's like you don't really care about the guys, and but this is it's a complete House of Hardcore feel, and oh gosh, God. <laughs> like. You could tell when, like, I popped a lot because you could tell when ECW just didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really didn't care. They just did whatever they wanted. They just really didn't care. I'll get to that in, a, in the first few matches. But you could tell when Tommy Dreamer got the feel from. It felt just like a House of Hardcore show. And I'm kind of glad that Tommy Dreamer gives the fans that type of experience, even though ECW wasn't here anymore. Yeah. Uh, he's probably one of the only guys left that could, that could do what he's doing. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, so... You mentioned that for another thing I, I noticed when I saw the TVMA warning. Come yes, up, I popped for that. <laughs> I was like, "All right, I we're not watching that. a kids show yeah. right now." Um, if it's not an ECW product, <clears throat> I mean, there's very few 
I guess it still comes up with some of the Attitude Era stuff, but from WWF. But there's not much you're going to put in the network that that's going to pop up. Yeah. yeah. There's only one, but it's only because of blood, and that's the um, Judgment Day 2004 with Eddie and JBL because of the blood. Okay. I'm sure some of the 90s. Like yeah, 90s stuff, stuff, but that's the only one I know of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we had Joey Styles introing the show. Uh, opening match, Chris Candido comes <laughs> out with Tammy Lynn Sitch, also known as Sunny. <laughs> totally forgot she was there at this time. It was dusk for Sunny at this point. Yeah, I guess this was before LOD 2000? After. This was after? Yeah, this is 99. LOD 2000 98. Oh, were they that long ago? God. Uh, Candido challenging Taz for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The main event of the show. Main event of the show, kicking it off. Actually, not too dissimilar from Backlash. <laughs> <laughs> that the guy who was headlining the show was in the first match. Um... Brought out the Dudleys as an insurance policy to protect him against Taz. They beat up Taz, but Taz ultimately wins the match in just over a minute. Um, the promo before the match was longer than the match itself. <laughs> and Taz got hit with a 3D after the match. The Dudley boys, as Alo said, we discussed actually before the show, they were the stars of this show. They were, every time he turned around, the Dudleys were back on screen. Phenomenal heel work from top to bottom. Yeah, now, I am I believe, and again, I don't remember this too clearly, but I believe they were still getting heat from breaking Beulah's neck. Because um, they, they brought it up in the promo. Mm -hmm. uh, they brought up that we hacked up the Sandman. We broke Beulah McGillicuddy's neck. We split up the Eliminators. Now Perry Saturn wears a dress. <laughs> we beat Tanaka back to Japan. We took Sabu and RVD, kicked their ass. We challenge anyone who has the balls that brings Balls Mahoney out. And he faced the Dudleys. This match went about eight minutes long. Well, actually, before we get into this, did you did you guys think that this was just too short, or was this just fitting for Taz to just go out there and destroy him as easily as he did? Oh, it was fitting. It was fitting. Definitely. I, I still I couldn't get over the idea that they were calling it the main event. <laughs> well, it, it was booked that it was going to be the main event. I, you know, it was kind of... Now, you brought up Backlash and, you know, that triple threat that WWE had last year for the WWE title mm -hmm. that, you know, ended up... Yeah, I forgot about that one, it, it ended up... Uh, and I don't think that was Backlash, was no that? No Mercy. No Mercy. No Mercy, where it was uh, Dean, Styles, and Cena uh, in the first match. It That wasn't noted until the day of. So the day of this pay-per-view, ECW is booking Taz defending the world title against Candido. So it was one of those things. It, it, it wasn't expected, but Candido comes out and he states, I got an insurance policy. I got the Dudleys. I'm, I'm going to leave the, the world champion. You know, he's, he's got, at the time, one of the hottest women in, in the wrestling scene mm -hmm. with him. So it's one of those things that if you're in that crowd or if you're watching the pay-per-view live, I mean, looking back at it, you know, I'm just trying to put myself in that, that perspective. Yeah. It's exciting. So I, I got nothing wrong with it. And then um, it's been stated more than once on this show how much better Taz was booked in ECW than WWF. He was a threat. There wasn't many people that you wouldn't believe he could go out there and beat in such a short amount of yeah, time. He was the most intimidating guy in that company. Like, Sandman, I guess, may have been the most beloved guy, mm -hmm. but Taz was the, I, I believe, the most fearsome guy that they had. Uh, Balls Mahoney ends up being jo joined by Spike Dudley, and did anyone get beat up better than Spike Dudley? Uh, no. Be besides <laughs> him, just steel chairs. <laughs> if Enzo's around the Attitude Era, he would come close. Well, he might have died if yeah. he was in Spike <laughs> Dudley's position. Because I feel like he almost has a couple times already, as tame as the product is now, he never would have lasted th this long in the business if he was put in Spike Dudley's position back then. Um... Spike was so awesome in ECW as well. Oh, yeah. That spot when they threw him just over their heads. Yeah. Not even looking, just over their heads, like into the barricade. My thing was, how does it become great. a match? I don't know. <laughs> I was about to like, huh? Well, it, that, that was kind of the thing with ECW. <laughs> Matches just kind of booked their cell phones. Oh, oh, and often. She's a fat whore chance for Sonny. Yeah. They weren't lying. But uh, <laughs> RP, a lot of RPs on this show. Yeah. 
There were a lot of those. There's already two in the first opening segment. Mm-hmm. So. And um, I popped when Bowl Mahoney spit the... um, He drank the fluid and spit the yeah. hash back in his face. I popped so hard for that. <laughs> oh, here it is right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was fucking insane. The... Who was it that was... um. Never mind. We'll get to that later. I forgot. I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Did anybody else find it jarring to see that the chair shots straight to the head? No, no, because that was that was the time. It was the time, but it's like I, yeah, I haven't seen times. it in so long. Yeah, I cringed a few times. That it was. It was. I think I revisited on the network too much. Yeah, it was a joyous time. I'm, my number one most watched, you know, ever since I bought it, and it's the most recent DVD I bought the. Uh, Hardcore Championship DVD. I've watched that thing also a lot. I love uh, one of the most recent, the, the most recent um, throwback we did. That you know, five six pack Hardcore Championship yeah. match. You know, I'm I look forward to those. I mean, it's yes, it is. You know, when you say jarring, I mean it's it's upset for the guys that you know took <laughs> took the brunt of it. But again, you talking about watching this stuff when you were you know eighteen to twenty three and forgetting a lot of it from being drunk. This was my heyday in wrestling. This was me and my youth, and I could not watch enough wrestling at that time. Yeah, I was taking my own weapons to the head in the CILC Wrestling Association at this time. <laughs> Which probably scrambled my brains a little bit too. <laughs> well, those like uh, door signs that like you would buy at either like Spencer's mm-hmm. or like the Boardwalk. Those like aluminum ones and um, like the aluminum trash cans. My brothers uh, murdered those amongst my head at the time. <laughs> I, don't, I never felt nothing from them, but it, you know it made a cool sound. Yeah, always made a good sound. Great sound. Uh, we had Super Crazy versus Takamichinoku, <laughs> the innovator of. Arguably the the single move that I have complained about the most in the history of this podcast. There's a lot to be said about this match for this podcast. The yeah. first Universal Champion Tucker Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, I thought it was funny that during this match they were editing out Joey Styles saying WWF. It was through they, the whole show. They, they, no, they they missed it a few times because this, this was Joey Styles' actual job with WWE to bleep out WWFs <laughs> and adjust the music. That, this wasn't what he was doing this whole time. They're working for WWE at this point. So. If you're gonna mention WWF, uh, Taka comes yes. out. Taka comes out in his entrance robe mm-hmm. that that says WWF right on yeah. it. It had the uh, scratch logo on it, and I popped right for that. I did too. Yeah, the Kaintai. Yeah, no cares. Kaintai pant legs. He he must have dropped the light heavyweight title and then came to do this match. I don't know because I was like, wasn't he in WWF in, in 1999? I, I feel I, I feel like he was in and out. Um... This was not too long after the choppy choppy PP. Well, that was a year was. prior. It was yeah, it was like nine months prior. So that was like August or September. Were, of were they still in cahoots at this time? ECW and WWF. Probably, I don't really. They remember were pretty much in sure. cahoots. Well, I don't know if they, if it was at this point, but basically until they went out of business, they were t- kind of in cahoots. Yeah. Now, now you said that this is uh, this match is kind of poignant for right now. Um, well, I would say with a lot of stuff like that we we discuss the that finishing move. You know, I, I, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the the, the ring work was great. Um, they got they got a decent bit of time. Um, cruiserweight division is hot right now. You know, you got two two cruiserweights, and it's funny where if you look back in the history of the light heavyweight championship, you know, obviously with the hate towards Goldberg, we talk about Gilbert on this mm-hmm. show. Um, Taka, he was the inaugural first uh, light heavyweight champion, and we did. Um, was it him against who? Who did Dean face for the title that we watched recently? Sky Too Hot. No, okay. Now, <laughs> so Dean was phenomenal with the light heavyweight title, but I feel like there was another one we watched. I don't know if it was one of the manias, but there it was, was Taka no- versus um, S.A. Rios. But he it, wasn't mm, Aguila. Right. And it, that was a decent match. And then this one, I remember I'm watching this match, and I'm like, this might have been better than some of his work in WWF. So, was, I mean, the in-ring yeah, work... Was a good match. Th- yeah, I mean, again, anyone listening to this, uh, just to review the show, go back, watch this match. I mean, the, the in-ring work was phenomenal. Yeah, as much as WCW, I feel like, gets all the credit for their cruiserweight division... It started right in ECW. That's where those guys were, and WCW snatched them all up and said, oh, we'll just do this for ourselves. Monday Night Wars. Yeah. But the the question I want to ask is because obviously we have the Cruiserweights back 
in WWE. They're on Raw. They have their own show, 205 Live. I think that the, the hardcore fan loves these these talents. They really enjoy that show. But the masses are not really into the cruiserweights at this point. Is And I, I don't remember this because I was not watching WCW really at this time. Were the cruiserweights as over in WCW in the late 90s as they make it seem? Or was it kind of the same thing as now? Like people liked the matches or whatever. So, but it, it wasn't necessarily like people were loving the cruiserweights. I'm not really sure. Here, here I'll, I'll counter ask that with a question. So, me, I know you're very anti-WCW. and I'm, What gave you that idea? <laughs> you're <laughs> loving Everything Bill, I ever say. Some guy named Bill. So, so, basically, what I remember is being at my dad's house, and when the commercial for Monday Night Raw came on, my brother would flip to Nitro. If something was going on with either Ric Flair or either version of the NWO, and if it was good, they kept it on too long that I started <laughs> missing Raw. Now, I remember the stuff going on with the Wolfpack, with the NWO, and a whole bunch of different storylines with Ric Flair, and as great as he is, and I remember some of that stuff just not being so good, um, some of Diamond Dallas's pages, best stuff, but I don't remember a lot of the Cruiserweight stuff. I don't. I remember maybe re-watching it 2001, 2002, as WCW went out of business. Mm-hmm. Um so you, I know, point out, you watch WCW only for Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Chris Jericho. Yeah. Chris Jericho, I really knew nothing about till he came to WWF on his first day. So here's my thing. You were watching him. He was a cruiserweight. Some of the time. Yeah. See, I, I feel like the time I remember Jericho most you don't remember was when he was, the, he was the television champion. That's when he was facing Goldberg. He was facing Goldberg. He was coming out with Ralphus. He was like, he was cutting the most... And, and this actually maybe is kind of a lesson WWE could learn right now. Jericho talks about this on the Monday Night Wars. Like, if you weren't one of those guys that they loved in WCW, they didn't care what you did. So you could walk out there and do whatever the hell you wanted. And Jericho was the most entertaining thing on that show. Because he was going out there and doing whatever he wanted. WWE is kind of in that spot now that they only care about a handful of guys. Yeah. That's what, You that's almost wish that the other guys would get to go out there like... Perfect example, Heath Slater. They threw him out there to do what he wanted for a couple weeks, and people fell in love with it. Exactly. Basically, Jericho's adamant about Enzo Amore yeah. going to the cruiserweight division. Well, you think about him during his entrance talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah he's all about it. But because people love him, the guy doesn't win a damn match, but they love him. Mm-hmm. So imagine if he came out there on 205 Live, and Brian Kendrick beats him. And the next week on Raw, Tozawa beats him. And the next week after that, our boy Nice, shout out to Hopefully beats him. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, Nice beats him. But if he came out there, people will tune in because they love him. Yeah. Yeah. So Jericho's point is he should be in the cruiserweights because he'll get eyes on Yeah, because that's what you got to do. Because like Eric was saying, I think, especially in 1999, that's when everybody was kind of starting leaving. So I know the peak for the cruiserweight division in WCW was... 96 98. That was the peak. Yeah. And the best match WCW ever produced was a cruiserweight match. That was Rey Mysterio and Eddie mm-hmm. Guerrero. Halloween uh, Havoc. Halloween Havoc. Best match they ever produced. In yeah. Halloween. So, at this point, I don't know about it, about it because I know Jericho's on his way out. Like you said, mm-hmm. he was at the time, he was probably, I think he was the television champion yeah. at the time. But just watching this match, I was, I was just re- rethinking, like, Super Crazy was really good. Yeah. And then when he did come to WWE, they had him play the, st- the stereotypical Mexican. On a on a on a, um a lawnmower. Yeah. They were the Mexicos with Hoovy mm-hmm. and um psychosis. Yeah, and they they still, very forgetful WWF tenure. They still have that problem with Latin American talent yeah. today that they don't really know what to do, mm-hmm. or either they don't like, know or they don't care. I, and you know, I mean, they feed into damn near almost every. Uh, Stereotype? Stereotype, yeah. Like, uh, no matter what it is, they go right off to... I mean, we're seeing that right now with the current WWE champion, but that's not the point of uh, Throwback (laughs) Man. I won't get into that. You'll save that? I'll save that. Or as my best friend will say, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Super Crazy did get the win. 
I liked that sequence that they had to get to the end with Taka hitting the Michinoku driver, gets up to hit another one, it gets countered into a DDT, followed by the uh, Crazy Bomb, which ends it for Super Crazy. Uh, Super Crazy's uh, three three piece uh, moonsault was pretty bad. Yes, earlier in the match. yeah. Th- this honestly was a good match. You were right. This is this is a match that people should. If they're not going to watch the whole show, this is one of the matches to go back and watch. Yeah. I'm enjoying this match. Well, rewatching it as we're recording with us three just talking. Then I, <laughs> I did just watching it by myself. Yeah. So we're having our own commentary. Exactly. Maybe much, we should start doing DVD much, commentary. Much, much better than Silas. That's, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> It the, is. Um, what, what was he called? Uh, Cyrus the, uh, the, the virus. not the promoter. Oh, he was the uh, the network. <laughs> who, who are you talking about right now? Cyrus would refer to the network in ECW as basically being like, um, basically, because they were having issues with um, getting a TV deal. Mm-hmm. So he would refer to the network, you know, nonstop. Uh, which network? I think were they on TNN? TNN? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and WWE was on TNN yeah. around this time. And TNN dropped them. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, they dropped ECW. It was basically TNN used ECW as a test run before pitching to WWF. Right. Yeah, and they got screwed over. Uh, we had the Dudleys attacking Nova. They found the list on uh, Joel Gertner, <laughs> the hit list. They attacked Nova. Uh, we go into Little Guido with Big Sal against Yoshihiro Tajiri, not just Tajiri. Uh, we just saw Guido at House of Hardcore uh, last month. Uh, yeah, I mean, you fast forward 18 years later and he's still put on a solid exhibition. Yeah. He, he looks the same. Good, he looks good, like he does today. Yeah, good at what he does. Uh, I believe they had a new revamped FBI, the full-blooded Italians. Uh, Tajiri looked very different. Yes. Much younger with the trunks. the trunks. And it's funny because you would expect, and again, maybe this is uh, what we were just saying about WWE feeding into stereotypes, mm-hmm. but it's funny because typically you would see WWE change someone's gear into the trunks, Yeah. but he went from ECW, the hardcore wrestling company wearing trunks, into uh, these long baggy pants in yeah. WWF. It's odd. But yeah, he, he has changed a lot over the years. Um... This was another good match, though. Yeah, I didn't know whether to think he seemed younger or smaller or what it was, but something about Tajiri. Uh, the tights. I think it was the, tight, the tights just threw me off. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he definitely was younger because the most recent time we saw him was in the Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, well, yeah, summer. of course, of course. But he does he does look smaller to me, smaller than I than I feel like he looks currently. And uh, even you know we did all those throwbacks during the like invasion or the end of the invasion period. It just I know we caught him in some of that. Yeah, he wins this match without... They, they kept talking about the... Uh, was it the Dragon Suplex? The Dragon Powerbomb? I don't even remember. But he won with a Brain Buster. But Little Guido, I think he's a guy that I did not... He's better than I remembered. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, as we were just talking about House of Hardcore, that's another... Um... Another prime example of it. I mean, mm-hmm. 18 years later from this, he put on a hell of a match, and it showed. Put on a hell of a match. The crowd was into him. Crowd into him, obviously, in this match. Uh, I enjoyed this one. Ayla, did you have any thoughts on this match? Or did I, you just have no investment, no... I have more investment listening to you guys talk than I did watching the match. <laughs> <laughs> because it's I... as expensive. No, or my, as at least you, you, you because said. Because my first, my first sight of... Um, Guido was when he was a nunzio in WWE. Mm-hmm. He came in as Jamie Noble's trail part trash cousin, and I didn't. Then, he, then they brought the FBI to TV. I didn't care about it. <laughs> and then the whole WWE CW thing came, and then that didn't let go anywhere. So I had literally no no experience. I didn't care. And then I saw my house of hardcore. I was like, oh, okay. And now he's still alive. And now you guys just put him over for me. So yeah, house of hardcore will do that. Um. You know what? I think you guys should get your boy Miz to go to House of Hardcore because I think I might become a fan of him after he performs there. Um. All right, we'll get on it. I was about to say, if, that, if they're gonna get a chuckle out of you, press. See, see what we can do. I'm not chuckling about it. I actually want to see it happen. <laughs> I got dead silence for a second. I was disappointed. I just want no. I, I want autographing a picture. I bet you do. I'm not. It's not a lack of laughter because I don't think it's funny. It's a lack of laughter because I'm taking this serious. <laughs> while, while while watching this back, and um, I. I think of 
obviously I think of a great ECW show that took place in um, in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. If Six Five was here, he would call out the show. Uh, and WCW was notorious for doing this, I believe, in the late '80s and the '90s. How are we skipping over the entranceway connecting to the ring? <laughs> how did how did WWE never get on that? Well, TNA did. I hate that. Not, well, well, I would never know that. I hated that. The whole entrance ramp <laughs> to the ring connecting, I hated that. I, I like that for spots. Like when, um, the only thing I think WWE ever did like it was the Elimination Chamber. I like yeah. that, um, you know, that back body drop option where, you know, if you go over, you can either be falling all the way to the concrete or you're hitting the same level, but it's yeah. a stage. Yeah, and it's not a forgiving surface at all. Uh, we had another Dudley's Hit List segment. Some guy named Rod. Now, now I gotta say this about it. Uh-huh. Just to show the time difference. 18 years in the past. The Dudleys are raving about how this is a guy. They like. This is their yeah. boy. It's <laughs> two guys. They're getting five grand to split. It's not personal. Oh, wait. That, that wasn't Rod. Uh, that was the next guy. That, really? We'll, uh, get, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we'll get to that. We had Lance Storm with Dawn Marie, who yes. allegedly had plastic surgery to look like Beulah. Versus Tommy Dreamer, who well, came out with Francine. You mean Tammy Lynn Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I popped so hard for that. That was good. I'm glad that you appreciated I it. I popped so hard for that. <laughs> Brawl started right on the ramp. This was a very physical match. Don't Tommy, skip the ramp. Tommy busted wide open. Um, you missed the most important part. What? When Lance Storm actually showed charisma, handed her her panties. He showed yeah. more. Co- he showed, showed more. Oh yeah, during the entrance. During the entrance, and she put him on on yeah. the stage. It was perfect. I was like, where was his charisma? Where was this? He had more personality during his entrance than all his years in WWE. Yeah, but him not having a personality became his personality. <laughs> I appreciate him so much more who, after I saw that. Is there anyone else who has sold not having a personality better than Lance? No. <laughs> I don't think yet, because I told you, there was one thing he did, and that was when he was leaving WWE, he got this hip-hop gimmick where he mm-hmm. could do the cabbage patch. <laughs> I thought rant, and I thought it was the funniest thing. He actually shows some type of personality. Oh, me and Ron both missed that period. And this was, yeah. that, I was like, where, is, where was this this whole time? <laughs> Last thing I remember was the Un-Americans. Yeah. That, yeah, that was about two years me. later. Right um, on his way out. We had the Dreamer Frog Splash spot onto the ladder. Uh, he puts Storm through the table. Ref is not there to, to make the three count. Then it turns into a fiasco. Cyrus runs in, gets speared by Francine, takes a Bronco takes Buster a, from takes, Francine. Takes away maybe one of the greatest Bronco <laughs> Busters of all time. I, I, um, I think Joey Styles had a line where he said, He's an extra. He gets a Bronco Buster from France saying, who's his agent? Yeah, he did say, yeah. He was definitely very upset that uh, Cyrus got put in that position. Uh, Dawn Marie takes out Francine. Tommy hits her with the pile driver. And Lance Storm ultimately wins with the spin kick from the top rope into the trash can. I thought this was a good match. I enjoyed it. Lance Storm, unbelievable in the ring. He always, really always, is. always good. Always Whenever he lacked in personality, you know, <laughs> later years. But in this match, he hell yeah, he did. But but Tommy Dreamer. Always can he be serious for a minute? Over. Huh? Can he be serious for a minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer always putting somebody over. Spent a whole career yes. putting other people over. Puts Lance Storm over in this match. Uh, Alo, did you get enjoyment out of this match? Though? Yes. <laughs> yeah, once Lance Storm had personality, I was like, "Oh, okay, okay, I'm right, I'm up now." I mean, I guess these are two guys you're at least familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you're going in completely cold. Whether you knew the story or not, you knew who both these guys were. Yeah, and that's why I was talking about how it kind of compares to House of Hardcore because when the first few matches, you're like, "Okay, who's this? Let me get my food before the real stuff starts." And now I know these, later in the car, you see who you know. It's like, "Okay, I know these guys, so I'm gonna watch this." And when Lance Storm came, I was like, "Okay, this is perfect." Yeah, the first House of Hardcore match I ever saw. Was um, Mia Yim? I'm trying to remember Jade. Jade against Thea Trinidad, who we never knew was going to be playing AJ Lee in a movie about Paige. And like, she's a year and a half later. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dudley's backstage segment. <laughs> Jack Victory. They found on the list. This was the guy that they said like this yeah, is our guy. That's he my guy. He travels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said up. Oh, Five grand, and they, they take Jack out. And I'm just sitting there now because, like, it's just so funny because with the time di- difference in money, we're like, not saying five grand isn't cool. Yeah, I'll do some messed up shit for five grand. Yeah. But 
I don't, I don't think somebody I'm, I'm, you know, running the streets with or somebody I'm going to get into a bar fight with that's got my back, you know, I'm going to turn on them for five grand. It, it is funny how, how they reacted for five grand. If that same storyline took place in WWE TV right now, that would be a hundred grand. Yeah. It would be a hundred. It would be a briefcase of money, not an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> not a small, uh, you know, mailing envelope. Oh, 100%. <laughs> It was funny, though. Now, I actually, the thing I started thinking about during this show is that the Dudleys were doing, like, two years ago, Seth Rollins' duty, mm-hmm. where it was, like, their job to take this show from beginning to end. Like, that, I, you don't see that too often, where somebody's literally there every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also, you know, you can't forget, you know, at the same time, and Bubba does it in all the ECW specials, you know, they were a highlight of the show. Top to bit, top to bottom. Uh, you know, in matches, plural. You could at least mm-hmm. say for Bubba, uh, different promos, different vignettes, and they Bubba could have potentially uh, booked the arena for ECW. You mm-hmm. know, they could have been outside selling T-shirts before it. Yeah. Uh, so, my buddy Phil, who I work with, he was going crazy because the Hardys are going to be at Comic Con. Uh, whatever it is. Is it Wizard World? I don't mm-hmm. even know. He's excited about meeting him. Me and my best friend Ben met though. He, <laughs> and he was like, you don't want to, you don't want to pay 75 bucks to meet the Hardys. I was like, not really. I was like, one, I could have met them a couple weeks ago. I didn't want to wait in the line. And I said, but as much as I respect the Hardys and I especially have a deeper appreciation for them now, more so than ever. But out of like, I look at it, it was like three big tag teams in WWE from this era. It was the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. And they definitely came in third for me out of those three. Oh, the Hardys? Yeah, I was a Dudleys guy first. I liked Edge and Christian. And then a close third was the Hardys. But I had like more of a connection to those other two teams because they got to show more personality. They got to do more well, things as personalities. That's a good point. Now, now in retrospect, at my age, I... Um... I have a lot of respect for Edge and Christian. I thought at the time, you know, and they typically had, um, you know, when the Dudleys first came over, they had the the heel persona. But Edge and Christian, I thought they were pretty boring at the time. (laughs) Um, When we started this podcast, the the Dudleys were freshly back in WWE. Everyone thought I was the biggest Dudleys mark. The Hardys come back. You know, when I was little, the Hardys were my number one team. Dudleys being my number two. Edge and Christian... They were floundering. APA could <laughs> APA could have been ahead of them or or my chart. Um, the Hardys, there was a lot of personality. They did a lot of the the segments and the mm-hmm. documentaries to show their their real life. Um, in retrospect, you know when they come back, you know the um, the Dudleys obviously are most decorated of the three. Yeah. They've been in the most different federations. Most they were different six organizations. time tag team champs during this show, <laughs> and they went in I think another two more times before mm-hmm. before being done. Now they're nine time WWE tag champs. Well, my my tag team rankings out of those three would be reversed mm-hmm. from yours because yeah. the Hardys were like the first baby faces I I fell in love yeah. with. Yeah, and the Edge and Christian. They were so good. And the Dudleys never did much for them. Yeah, it yeah. was so good because Edge and Christian, like, you legit hate them. Mm-hmm. Like, the West, that's the way they would steal matches. and Because almost every time in defense titles, they actually had the match lost. And that's the difference for you guys and me. And this is one of the things I say to uh, Biggie Dan about Goldberg. Like, I was old enough where I was watching it as... I wasn't buying into it. I was watching it as, like, I like this stuff. I know, I know what's going on. And I'm judging it through that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Goldberg's not a good wrestler. Uh, so I think he sucks. I wasn't looking at him like, oh, he's a superhero. He's a monster. I was like, yeah. no, this guy's not good. Yeah, because um, I see what your I see what your your point is on yeah, the Edge and Christian for me, where they were, like I was like, these guys are so great. Whereas as a kid, you probably hated them. Yeah, but see, <laughs> I can argue Edge and Christian one, the Hardys two. I can flip flop back and forth because the realism factor, how much you buy it. Mm-hmm. I just can't see the Hardys being number three in anyone's list. Yeah, that, but, that makes no sense no, to me. No, but see, the thing I see it, I see their point because the Hardys they. Their character was just being extreme. They didn't really yeah. talk or show much personality. They just they let their talent do the talking for them. Well, J- Jr. sold their, um, you know, they were in commentary talking about, you know, them growing up together. Yeah, but growing up but, and always wanting this. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that, that was it. But you never heard that from them. Like Edwin Christian, J- just like hey, like Jr. taught Kevin Owens English. He, you know, taught me. <laughs> he taught me which wrestlers to like and which ones not to like. Yeah, that that's what he was there for. Unfortunately, I don't have a guy like that now. Yeah, but Edwin Christian. Perfect. 
Yeah, I... Uh, Legend Christian or the Hardys were not on the show, so we're going to get back to Throwback Madness. Right. The Dudleys, though, they sh- I mean, they showed you during the show why they were my number one tag team from that era. They were entertaining. They kept the show rolling. Uh, Taz ultimately calls out the Dudleys. He wants to get retribution yeah. for the attack earlier. And how good oh, it was your How good is Taz's catchphrase? <laughs> oh, and, and when he when he uh, I, I forget forget the name the reporter who was talking to him, but when he cuts him off for uh, you know trying to do his mm-hmm. catchphrase for him, it, you know he was as we said at the top of the show. How the good and be, be, how good and believable, or in how kick ass of a guy he was, and how scary and intimidating. And I mean, rewatching it, you almost got to cringe at what they did with him in WWE. You yeah. know, maybe the first year or two, he, you know, they didn't completely drop the ball, but mm-hmm. it just in retrospect. After the first night, <laughs> after the first night, <laughs> you gave him the first year. Halo's like, nope. I gave him a mistake. Day two, years. it was over. <laughs> it was. But yeah, the catchphrase: "Beat me if you can." Survive, Survive if, if I, I let, let you. you. That's so good. Perfect for that character. Uh, we get into the next match, which was, for my money, the match of the night. Uh, Jerry Lynn versus RVD with Bill Alfonso. They got almost a half hour for this match. And I think anyone that, um, where, where again, I, I remember his light heavyweight division <laughs> stuff from WWF, mm-hmm. but... He was, um, that's nothing compared to what he did in ECW. And, you know, obviously the guy's had a rough past couple years now. Yeah. But I think this is, this is one of those matches where knowing how good this match is, obviously it was for the television championship and not the heavyweight championship. But how is this not a showstopper due to the, just this match? <laughs> I never let one just one match sway me, but one of the it, exactly I that, that's why I didn't. But I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate and making the argument for all three of us. Yeah, you can make the argument. One of the things I wanted to say about this though, this is almost like this was actually a great rivalry, and I almost feel like this is like a lost treasure. Like people don't think back of like, oh, remember the Jerry Lynn RVD rivalry? This was a great rivalry. This was an awesome match. And Rob Van Dam, I still think I probably said it every time he's come up on a throwback. One of the most underrated guys of all time. So, you know... Um, I think he's a guy that everybody says they like, but nobody puts him, like... I think 6'5 six, six is still the only person to be on this podcast and put him in his Rushmore. Yeah. I, I try to make the argument all the time. You know, we were trying to put, um, you know, you adjusted your Rushmore and added Jericho yeah. earlier this year. <laughs> I firmly would say, if we did a special edition where there was a fifth wheel, the fifth wheel is going to RVD for me. <laughs> really? Yeah. No doubt about it. I felt that way since the beginning of the show. Really? Alo, what are, what are your thoughts on RVD? Awesome. Nobody gave him a mic. That's why he's forgotten. <laughs> Nobody gave him a mic. Or, except Paul Heyman. You know what they want us to think about him? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> dude. Cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> Which he is. He's, he was always in the hay, uh, up in the sky all the time. Mm-hmm. But I used to have a selfie with him up in the sky <laughs> from House yeah. of him, him, what am I, uh, Maybe I've said, I think I've said the best selfie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like he would have like great one liners. I remember um, one time Booker T was counting down his five time thing. Already was like, oh yeah, you lost to WCW title five times. <laughs> 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 like nobody get only Paul Hammond gave him a mic. Yeah, and that's why people forget about him at times. He was one of those rare guys that didn't necessarily need it because people were so invested in what he did in the ring. But I, I do want to at least explain this selfie since I mentioned the best <laughs> selfie of all time. There we go. At House of Hardcore, I believe in April of last year. Yep. So two weeks after WrestleMania You 32. and I's first one we went to. Yes. There's a balcony <laughs> kind of in like the, the common area, whatever you want to call it. Right at, above the bathrooms. At ECW Arena. And we're standing there... X-Pac is about 10 feet away from us. You, Eck, were debating whether you wanted to get your 123 kid figure signed or not. And all of a sudden we look up and we see RVD up on the balcony. He's standing like right on the edge. With his pen. Yes. Seeing so, a couple puffs during the show. So Eric, being the selfie wizard that he is, <laughs> angles the, the cell phone to where it basically looks like RVD is right over his shoulder. <laughs> And snaps the picture. So it's a selfie of Eric, but a picture of him with Rob Van Dam, which you obviously got for free. I'm still waiting for someone from Subta to call me so I can get my damn phone back so I can have that picture. <laughs> yeah, I was wishing that I had it, but you never sent it to me. Yeah. That That's a lost treasure I, right there. <laughs> the only, you know, I lost thousands of phenomenal pictures of, of my children that day, but I 
treasure a lot of pictures <laughs> from that specific day that I lost. Yeah, that was a great day. But this match, incredible. Always pop for a five-star frog splash. We got two in this match. RVD was one of the most innovative guys. <coughs> Speaking of pop, and you're mm -hmm. going right with it, talking about how innovative I always popped for a Van Damme. <laughs> there is not <laughs> many cool spot moves <laughs> than that. Yeah. The one in the crowd was great. It was awesome. And and I, go ahead. You go. I, and I, I talked about how the commentary played a big role in this, my interest in this show. Yeah. This needed two commentators for me. <laughs> because I was like... I could see with the, with the fast-paced moves in, in a match like this, I could see why, why you would feel Yeah, because it was like real... like It was so many high spots. And Joey Styles was like, Oh! Oh! And he's like the only one reacting to it, other than the crowd. Yeah. And there's not anybody really telling the story. So I'm just watch, basically just watching a match. Well, you also had a whistle. Yes. You had a whistle. Bill Alfonso's whistle was one of the most beautifully annoying <laughs> things in wrestling history, really. I didn't know it was him at first. That whistle... I thought it was outside. That whistle legitimately goes off from the time that match starts. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably after the match ends. It still went off after. Yeah. RVD. Um, one thing, and I'll try to make it brief. Mm -hmm. It is In retrospect, and I remember feeling this way right when the uh, invasion took place... It's almost amazing how WWE dropped the ball with him because you would have thought with the guy's look they would have mm -hmm. kept him going. Yeah, so he did. He had, he did have an unbelievable look. He he. Was, I don't understand how anyone couldn't think he had charisma. He was super athletic without being small. I mean, he wasn't a huge guy, but he wasn't small at all. He always had the really cool singlet. They had like the really cool airbrush designs on it. No, no, no pun to Ryback. Yeah, and where. I feel like kick pads, like they're very common now. You see most guys wearing them these days. But uh, back then, it was, them, it was pretty much just boots. Yeah, I feel like he was one. I don't know. I'm not going to say he was the first guy to wear kick pads because I'd probably be wrong. I feel like Michaels. What? No. Uh, no, he wore boots kind of like Ziggler. I don't know if he had, I don't think I don't he had, he had kick pads. pads. No. Right. I um, his boots had designs. I was just wondering about the ones with the hearts. I'm just trying to go. Yeah, I feel like he you was one of the first guys, the first prominent guys to be wearing kick pads, and that was a big part of his offense was a lot of kicks. Yeah. And super entertaining. Yeah, not... Yeah, I feel like he just doesn't quite get the respect that he deserves. But this match was, was a, a pleasant surprise. Was this the, the match of the night? For oh, yeah, the match of the night. He'll go. Oh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, you know, I'm not even going to say it is. I think it, it, it's a no-brainer that for all three of us, this would be the, the match of the night, the net match of the show. Um, it, it actually, you know, when I was picking a show for Throwback Madness, this match being on the card mm -hmm. made, made it a no-brainer. Yeah. Does Jerry Lynn have a banner at ECW Arena? I believe so. Uh, I, I want to say he does. Uh, don't hold me to it. I mean, August 12th, we'll know for a lot. We definitely will know for sure that... The, well, we're going to know for sure right now because I'm about to Google it. So if anybody would like to talk a little bit to not have just dead air while I'm Googling something. So, I, well, I, I guess for some dead air, um, Aaron, was there any specific spots that maybe is something that, you know, you took away from the match? Um, um, you know, because, again, we have this on the monitor while... Uh, while rediscussing it, uh, a little spot I just caught. It, right as the the match was about to start, it looks like Jerry Lynn had a moment with a fan. I'm I'm guessing you know obviously the ECW crowd was always pretty rough. Uh, looks like somebody was yelling at him. He eyed <laughs> them up and grabbed his crotch and not like a DX chop, like pretty much just you know straddled his crotch and kind of like a blow me. Uh, and I don't know how I missed that. I think I've watched this match twice back. Uh, prior to doing the, um, you know, gathering my notes for the event. <laughs> well, I popped for the summer, um, the somersault powerbomb on the table. And, and, yeah, yeah that was oh, great. and RBD with the somersault over the top rope into the crowd. <laughs> it, it was like the skills they they used to get that done right. Um, I when I was watching that back the first time, I was like, oh, some they're gonna mess up here. I really thought there was gonna be a spot in this match where they were, they were gonna have an error. Yeah, the only error I remember was Balls Mahoney slipping oh, that was so bad. on well, the top rope. I just watched a spot here. RVD just, you know, pretty much uh, did ca catapult his whole body over the, the rope with a leg drop where it was all leg right on his head. I mean, right like, <laughs> not Not a boss, but I mean, it was just insane. Like, uh, the, the match was hard hitting, top yeah. to bottom. Jerry Lynn, a 2010 hardcore Hall of Famer. So, <laughs> officially, 
officially he does have a banner at that arena. Uh, we had Bubba Ray cutting a promo <laughs> on Taz, basically accepting the challenge. Uh, Chris Chetty comes in. I'm, I'm not gonna. Well, we do gotta point out RVD obviously retaining the television title during his uh, long yes. reign. And I believe part of this was um, Jerry Lynn was trying to become the next effing show. Yes. Whatever, whatever the whatever yes. the whatever it may be. But yes, Devon breaks his hand on Chris Chetty's head <laughs> as the the last member, I believe, of the list that we got. <laughs> And then Bubba beat him up because he because Devon broke his hand, punching him in the head. Yeah, he yeah you broke my brother's head. <laughs> I really thought that was shoot. Like when uh, Bubba came out, I really was expecting Devon to come out during the match. Yeah, uh, and honestly, we didn't mention it yet, but the Dudleys white ECW jerseys were incredible. Fire! I wish I could come across one, <laughs> uh, but according to Bubba Ray, I can't, I can't afford it. Better jersey, that white ECW jersey or the DX football jersey. DX. <laughs> well, I knew you were gonna say DX. Now you're you're dying to get that DX football yes. jersey. I, so I want that, and we know I'm an adamant DX mark. However, the DX one heavily duplicated, heavily replicated, heavily faked on eBay. Yes. That ECW is a majestic jersey. That's the same brand that makes uh, most of uh, Major League <laughs> Baseball's uh, jerseys that are sold at the stadium. Yeah. That's fire. If you can come across that, I think that's better. So should somebody in this room start looking for it as a gift? Yes. <laughs> um, Every groom deserves, you know, a nice one. <laughs> Uh, next match, we have Just Incredible with Jason and Jazz against, who knows, it was supposed to be Shane Douglas. He had bounced for WCW. They made mention we'll probably never see him in ECW again, which I don't believe Let, they did. Let's, let's give my best friend credit. Him not not having a lot of uh, you know ECW knowledge, I didn't even realize this was Jazz when, when it uh, was the first time I'm viewing it. You're right. He pointed it out. On, on Sunday, you were the one that pointed out that was Jazz. Neither one of us thought it was. She looked. She didn't look as yeah, she wasn't jacked as yet. built as we expected. Um, just incredible, widely known as a punk at this point. Um, he clearly watched the Rock's promos. Oh, he did, he did throw millions and millions and millions. He he, he clearly watched. Bubba Ray's promo from earlier in the night, too, because it was ultimately the same promo. Um, Judge Jeff Jones basically sentences him for his crimes to face the man, Sid. Crowd popped huge for Sid. Uh, I was surprised. I don't know, he's in ECW, like I told you guys earlier. Yeah, I was surprised how much the crowd was into Sid. Um, So if I'm correct, and you, you can remind me, I do believe this is not his first stint or showing in ECW. That was not his first stint because and you know commentary sold it that way. That's why I you know I was pretty sure because I, I you know we can't even necessarily call this a match, but I do recall him having matches. Yeah, this was a bit of a beating, and then it just turned it in, turned into a uh, a schmaz, as Bret Hart would say. Um, I felt uh, like we're quoting Bret Hart on an ECW throwback madness. Yeah, I felt like this. Should have gone differently. I felt like Sid was out there to teach Just Incredible a lesson. He should have gotten to just do that as opposed to... Now, I know this is all set up for Sabu to come out. Which he did, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I popped for it. The crowd loved it. Do you, but I not, felt like do you Sid, not like that Justin got a little offense? or what? That is, Yeah, that is what I don't like. Ultimately, Sid was getting beaten up by that by the two of them. And Lance Storm came out, yeah. took a choke slam and a power bomb. Well, how? So, um, and again, I, it may be a whole year, and it may be a few months. Um, how far before Justin Incredible's ECW t- uh, World Title reign is this? That's why I Not wasn't long. too surprised. No, that, only in, a couple in, months. in retrospect, knowing that, that's why I I took it for what it is. I think my feeling on that is, and that is a good point, is just that. I was never a big Just Incredible guy. Okay. So that that probably is why I was not uh, happy about that. Sid ultimately takes out the man who brought him out to the match. <laughs> Which I felt odd. It was odd. Who ended up on the stretcher? Was it Judge Jeff Jones and Sabu? I think so. Sabu did something to him on the stretcher. Yeah, Eck, you're right. This was not a match. 
This was, was, was just a segment. <laughs> really, it was not. But it, it was Sabu's return to uh, the United States as uh, commentary put over the whole show. Yeah. Uh, Anik, you said you were surprised to see Sid come out on this show. I, I was because I knew... Pleasantly it, surprised? Were you pleasantly. A guy pleasantly. who liked Sid? I loved his music. I can't really think about many great matches or spots of him. Uh, I do recall one of my older brothers being a fan of him, so there wasn't necessarily something I hated. Um, for the throwback Monday Night Raws, where they like bring back the old set and he would show up, I, I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah. Um, I did not hate him, and again, it's one thing with my youth where I, I can't say I was a huge fan of him. Uh, but I, I have nothing against it. I actually I follow him on Twitter. Okay. At the moment, I Sid Udi. I'm not sure of his Twitter handle, <laughs> but uh, I I look for what he tweets during Raw usually. Does he tweet good stuff? Depends who's on the. Is the he? Does he like the product or is he a critic of the product? He seems to be open. Okay. He seems to be open. So he's not just a bitter old vet who hates everything. No. The guy. No. He's not. He surprisingly uh, gives them. Uh, Gives them credit, but if, if there's something to shit on them about, he'll, he'll shit on them. He's not talking about dives, though. Uh, no. Okay, good. Um, the thing I remember most about Sid is when he showed up in WWF as Sid Justice. This was during the first Iraq War. Well, hold on. Justice was... See, so I, I can He was mix Sid up. Vicious in WCW. So what was the cycle of Sid? Psycho Sid was WWF. WWF, he had two names. Okay. He was Sid Vicious in WCW. And then ECW, he's just said. The first Iraq War happened, and you guys were maybe not even born when that war started. Here we go. I love playing our age on this show. Doesn't matter which one It's weird that you think I'm playing your age when really I'm exposing my I wish I was your age when the Iraq War happened. Um... But Sergeant Slaughter basically defected. He was an Iraqi sympathizer. And Hogan was trying to win the title back from him. So they bring in Sid to be the special guest referee. He was like the enforcer. But he gets brought in as Sid Justice. And basically he was supposed to be an impartial guy between the two of them. This was like the height of my like. This is like the end of me being a youthful wrestling fan, where I was just consuming it as a kid does, like drinking just the juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was drinking my own Capri Sun, <laughs> like, like Halo. They were they were uh, juicy juice. Yeah, I was drinking the juicy juice um, by the glass. They didn't have back. Yeah, out, out of the big, didn't have small containers. Yeah, of the, juice the big for you guys. giant oversized can. The can. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> they had to pop open with the can opener. Um... That was like my my main memory from Sid Justice, well from Sid, and then in WCW when Ta- they made him. Time out, hold on. Yes. I'm on a cliffhanger. Okay. Did he turn or did he stay impartial? Well, he, I'm showing my youth. Ultimately, Hogan won. Sid was ultimately on the side of Hulk Hogan. Okay, all right, good. Um, I I was literally on the, about to be on the edge of my seat. I was, well, you, I, you also know, I guess, that Sid was told by Vince, like, we're gonna make you like the next Hogan, and he said, Nah, I work better as a heel. He didn't. He basically was told, like, you're going to be the highest earner in the company. Well, you would think with and the next generation and the push they did give him. Yeah, but he was like, nope, I'd rather just be a heel. Like, no, you don't turn down being the next Hulk Hogan, but he did. Speaking of his Twitter, uh, he praises Michaels on there and get, uh, having his best matches ever with Michaels. Being yeah. that me and you are big Michaels marks. Yeah, who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, but he, him, and, him and Michaels were pretty tight at the time. And that's one of the things a lot of Michaels uh, he, detractors he claimed, say. He he claims aren't hating Michaels at the time. Really? He claims aren't hate. He claims aren't uh, a lot of the everything negative you hear about Michaels. He'll say it, but he'll say in retrospect that they have squashed all that yeah. and that uh, Michaels is the greatest of all time. And I, I believe he says that. I don't think I'm pretty sure he does not give that title to Flair or anyone else. I'm pretty sure he gives that to Michaels, and he claims, you know, Michaels gave him his best matches. That surprises me only because the big knock on Michaels is yeah he did his best work with his friends. And if you weren't his friend, he wasn't giving you his best. Well, I think everyone can say in the 90s, um, him and Brett weren't friends. And you can't say any of their matches weren't good, so. That's true. Um, We got a Bubba Ray promo in the ring, basically saying he's filling in for Devon. Noah. We get Bubba Ray against Taz. This gets a good 12 or 13 minutes for the ECW Championship. 
Bubba was about to leave with three straps. Devon's his <laughs> yeah, own. I like him with both of them. Yeah, awesome. Um, did it before uh, John Cena did it. <laughs> um, Taz makes a stipulation. Falls count anywhere in the building. Uh, I'm sorry, I gotta say, mm-hmm. he also carried both tag belts before Miz did it. Yes, I'll Who's give you that it? too. No, d- uh, oh, Bubba. Bubba. Oh, you, you, just had a, you just had a different differentiation the Miz from Bubba Ray, didn't you? Yeah, you're, you're more like you're more like the Miz than you think. <laughs> got good hair. Got an honorable, better hair. Honorable woman. Better woman. <laughs> you're, you're just like the Miz. I wear the IC title matter. <laughs> it's just you know, you know, just you know, all rolls. <laughs> Ayla, what did you think of this championship match to close the show? Um, it was rough. <laughs> I like the physicality. They were in the crowd right from the get go. Mm-hmm. And I thought this needed two commentators, too. <laughs> and I love the spot how... They like said, this match only got 13 minutes. It seemed quicker than that. And I like the spot where Taz says, hit me, hit me, hit yeah. me. The whole entire time. And then he suplexed the referee through the table. And ultimately, Taz wins, wins with the submit thumb that Taz mentioned. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it went, the 13 minutes didn't feel like 13 minutes. It felt like five. It didn't. My favorite aspect of this match was that basically Taz was hanging on by a thread for most of the match. Mm-hmm. There were so many false finishes for Bubba Ray, but ultimately Taz comes out on top. And then um, the whole fact that this started the show with the with the Dudleys and yeah. Taz, went through the whole night and they end the show facing each other when they weren't mm-hmm. supposed to. So yeah. that was an ex- it added bonus to it. Yeah, it, it brought the uh, the show itself full circle. It's always good to see the show kind of actually tell a story itself. Eck? And, and, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's something we complain about from Monday Night Raw it does not tell a story from the beginning of three... Are we still allowed to curse on here? For three fucking <laughs> hours, there's not a story being told from the opening segment to the ending segment. And there was, I don't want to say, you know, two stories. You know, Taz and the Dudleys both kind of had stories going on. Taz was supposed to have a match against someone else. He ended up having a match against the Dudleys, which the Dudleys were phenomenal here, heels. Mm-hmm. And they were they were beating people's ass the whole night. And that's how the show ended. Yeah, literally, from start to finish. <laughs> it, it was a very Dudley's pay-per-view. It, uh, and, you know, they're, um, you know, for guys like you and I who both love the Dudleys, mm-hmm. and if you love the Dudleys and you're listening to this and you've only watched their WWE work, this is something phenomenal because to go back and rewatch, they were heels Basically, the whole time in ECW, I believe Bubba was a little bit of a face when he first joined the Dudleys, but they were phenomenal heels. You actually hated them. If you were in that crowd, nine times out of ten, you hated them. (laughs) Yeah, they're awesome. My favorite tag team of all time. Uh, I don't know that it's even close, really. Um... I did enjoy this show. There's a bouncer glad. there that we also see at House Hardcore. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep plugging. Dreamer, appreciate us. We, we need to check. <laughs> plug House Hardcore again. We, we got the same bouncer that's usually uh, usually uh, about um, 10 yards away from our, mm-hmm. our seats. So he's usually front and center. Yeah, ha- his hair is shorter now. But. I thought this was a good show. I was glad you picked something a little different. Uh, Alo, did you feel any differently towards ECW after watching this show? Did it make any impact on you? No, because I already knew, I already had my own perception of it because I've been to House of Hardcore. So after, after I watched, it's like, okay, now I see what Dreamer gets. Well, and, and, well, never mind. You were sitting next to him. I saw front front row Aaron's reception to House Hardcore. So I can well, see it's not alternate. <laughs> a drunken best friend isn't the best person to sit next to <laughs> So, I'm a, I'm a, I wasn't going to let that ruin my night, but it kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, Joey, don't don't exclude Joey. Joey too. <laughs> top, was, top shelf was a part of it. Top <laughs> but I already had my own perception of it, and I already knew like they already had like I knew who their guys were, and I see most of their top guys and what they ultimately became. Yeah. And you always in their highlight packages, you always see ECW first. Yeah. So I already kind of had something knew what to expect. It's just the only thing that I didn't really grasped completely was the whole commenta- one-man commentary thing. A lot of people say, oh, he was awesome, but he didn't do it for me. So, But that's about it. That's the only thing I really took from this show, but I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, that... I'm not going to say it's surprising to me, but I loved Joey Styles. Really? Yeah. Joey Styles, I was a huge, huge fan of back at the time. I thought he was awesome. I still 
will throw out an oh my god every now and again, at least once a week. I, I think his WWE work is the only stuff I know of that I can watch him back that he has a counterpart to and enjoy it. Yeah, because that was yeah. my first time hearing him was in WWE. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big Joey Styles guy. I was a fan of of this particular show. Uh, anything else anyone would like to add before we close it out? I do. Yes. We opened the, the show. Uh, I was a little hesitant. I guess I'll come back to myself. After rediscussing it mm-hmm. for X amount of time, you know, recapping it and also having it uh, on mute, replaying while reviewing it, everyone's uh, opinion or review rating stay the same? Mine does. Mine stays the same. Does yours change? Because if you remember, I told you right before we got into it, I said there's still time for you to update it. I'm going to leave it still as a high slobber knocker. Okay. I just th- I didn't know if uh, you know my commentary helped sold it for anyone. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the show. I really liked it. Alo knows. He's made this comment before. I don't just throw... Uh, <laughs> Don't we sling a thing around? Yeah, don't sling. <laughs> yeah, don't just sling around showstoppers. So I'm gonna keep it with a slobber knocker. So if nobody else has anything to add, I guess that is the show for Ek Two Fly, Eric Trambicki. Oh, I gotta mention C. Kane Joe. Unfortunately, not here with us this evening. Uh, we will get his choice for the June Throwback Madness. He's doing some research. He, yes. he knows he can't one up a choice <laughs> that I made. So there is one thing I want him to pick. Uh-huh. But I don't know if he'll pick it. You always have some th- one thing you want someone to pick. I do. <laughs> yeah, you're always hoping somebody's going to uh, pick something. Yes. And you're always cringing about someone picking something. Yeah. Yeah, because y'all are horrible. <laughs> oh, really? Was this horrible? It wasn't It wasn't the worst. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get C.K. and Joe's pick uh, next week when he's back on the show. So for Act 2 Fly, Eric Trembicki. For the voice that runs the place, the European champion hailing from Bangor, Maine. Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next month. Hop on the top rope, by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.